0: Well, good morning, church. I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and uh, we're glad you're here with us this morning. Just want to mention, you know, I know there's a lot of college students that are, that are coming back to school, uh, some of the local colleges. We want to say a special welcome to you. Um, and also just want to mention that if you're, if you're kind of a techie and you've got a little iPhone or something, we've got a Christ Church app that you can download and you can follow along uh, with sermon notes and things like that that I just want to remind you of. Sometimes we forget to remind ourselves of that, but we have some folks that put a lot of good work into that. This morning we're talking about work. Happy Labor Day to you. This is your day off. Congratulations, you're part of the workforce. Um, I've always wondered what Labor Day is. As a young kid, I know Labor Day was kind of like a death sentence because you knew that when Labor Day was coming, it was like we got to go back to school. Summer's over. You know, there's all this not fun stuff coming ahead of me. And so for me as a young guy, Labor Day marked unhappiness. Now, once I entered the workforce, I quickly came to the realization... Labor Day was awesome because it was a long weekend, and I got to be with my family, got to relax. And so, happy Labor Day to you. It started in 1884 by a pair of brothers. Now, it's funny because all throughout history, there's a debate on which one of the brothers actually made the suggestion for it to be a holiday. So we're not going to mention either of them this morning. Just kidding. These guys went forth and they said, hey, we need to have a holiday because there was a lot of people that poured a lot into America. Everything from stone workers to, to masonry people to carpenters to steam fitters to boiler makers. And so Labor Day was really celebrated as a holiday, created as a holiday, as a time to celebrate what, what people poured into our nation. And so that was a lot. A lot of us have poured in, and a lot of us still are. We're being constructive. So Labor Day is meant to be a day of rest. It's an amazing concept that that we as workers are supposed to rest. You think God would have created a day for that or something? (laughs) Thank you for laughing. Anyway, but we are created to work. We are not created to have idle hands. And and a problem that we suffer with in our nation today is we have a weird definition of what it means to labor. And so this morning, what I thought we would do, I thought we would take some time and we would talk about two key things. There is labor that we do on earth, and there's spiritual, biblical uh, labor that we're supposed to do as Christians. And so I don't know about you, but my first labor was was when I was a kid. I, I worked at Ponderosa in Chippewa. Now I want to go there for lunch today. Anyway, I worked at this Ponderosa in Chippewa, and, and as a kid, I remember, you know, I, I just, I, it was so amazing. I got to meet all these new people. It was this new experience, this new discovery, and so here I was peeling potatoes at Ponderosa, and when you're really good at peeling potatoes, they then let you wash stuff, and so I got to wash dishes, and I got really good at that because a machine did it for me, and so I washed dishes, and then, and then from washing dishes, I got to be a waiter pretty quickly, and I remember as a kid, um, there was this feeling of satisfaction about me when, when I got that first paycheck. Like, like, I earned my own money. I can take care of myself. I don't need anybody. All $8 of it was awesome. <laughs> but there was this feeling of satisfaction that I know, like some of you, when you get out in your yard or your farm and, and you just, you're so exhausted, you're so wiped out, but there's this satisfying feeling of what a lot of us refer to as it's a good tired, Right? It's because we were created to work. We weren't created to be lazy. We weren't created to be idle or to sit by. We were actually created to be hands-on creatures who do work. I got to tell you this, as a a waiter, when I became a waiter, my first fear, and, and everybody always goes, how do they carry those trays with the drinks on it? Trust me, that waitress or waiter is just as terrified about spilling that thing on you as you are of them spilling it on you. And sure enough, the first time I grab a tray of drinks, I walk up to the table and I trip. It's like a self-fulfilled prophecy. Now that I look back, it was kind of awesome, but uh, not at the moment. I was mortified. But there's something that, that just comes alive in us when we work. Did you know that in the creation of the world, God always has intended for us to be people of work? In fact, there was a point in our history as people that it wasn't even hard, that we didn't have to work at it. It was a blessing from the Lord. And if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open the Genesis 2 right now because there's a lot of you going, I don't believe you <laughs> out there. God was doing this very awesome thing at the beginning of everything. He was creating the earth. He created the earth, and when he created the earth, he created trees, he created rivers, he created livestock and and animals and birds. And so what he thought, he's like, you know what, i got a good idea. I'm going to create this thing in my image. I'm going to call him man, and I'm going to let him be the caretaker of all this stuff. And so in Genesis 2, we come to this passage in verse 15, where it says, The Lord God took the man, and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Did you catch that? Before sin, before all the junk hit the fan, God gave man work. He created man to be the steward of the earth. So each one of us is created in the image of God on purpose with certain gifts, with certain talents, not so that we can simply die with those things, but we are created with these gifts, talents, and things so that we could glorify God in His creation. You're created to work. I remember as a kid, I used to tell my mom, I'm not your slave. I'm not created to work. I'm created to work. None of you kids like, give your parents a hard time when they ask you to do stuff, right? Because you recognize that you're created to work. You're created to put your hands to the plow. You're created to be obedient and taking care of the things of this earth, right? You guys all get that. So that's what it tells us in Genesis. So from the very beginning of time, we as a people have been created to be obedient in physical labor. Now, we all know the tragic story of what happens when Adam and Eve sin. They were told by God, there's one tree in the garden. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. And Satan comes into the picture, and there's all kinds of nastiness that happens. Adam and Eve sin. And now it says in the scripture that you will toil So trees used to just pop up out of the ground and fruit would be plentiful and Adam and Eve's job was simply to tend to those things and now the scripture tells us that there will now be thorns, there will be pain, there will be hardening of the earth. In fact, the earth has suffered because of the sin of man. Did you know that? That it used to be perfect and not only are we continually hurting and breaking down from sin, the earth itself is too. So guess what? That tells us work's going to get harder. I feel bad for my kids. So we are called by God to be workers... And I think a lot of times as Christian, we, we get these con- this confusion about what it means to work. We, we have this misunderstanding that working is simply just earning a wage, and that's not true. I want to challenge our thinking here because there's all kinds of different types of work that we do. There's, there is earning the wage. There's, there's making money, providing for our family, which we are called by God to do, as we're going to see here in a little bit. There's labors of love. There's a, a lot of you out there that are parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and neighbors. I mean, you do labors of love. You, you go out and you shovel your neighbor's driveway when there's snow. I wish my neighbors were here. Uh, there, there's times when you serve one another. You, you cook meals for one another. Those are labors of love. That is working. That's not being idle. There's service. There's, there's forced labor. There's good labor. There's physical labor. There's spiritual labor. And then there's this thing called forced labor. Can I ask you a serious question? Are you one of the people in the world that today thinks that slavery is dead? Because if you think slavery is dead, I, I hate to be the one to tell you it is alive and it is well in our world, and it's very tragic. There are millions of people across our world today who are, who are in trafficking, who are enslaved, and it is a terrible, terrible thing. And that is not a way in which God desires for us as believers to be engaged in worshiping him through our labor. We're called to the work of the Lord, not the work of the enemy. And so as a body of believers, we need to be concerned for brothers and sisters and for people who are entrapped in that lifestyle. And as believers of God, we are called to labor to get them free. I want to ask you this question. Why is it that you work? What is it you put your hand to the plow for? I mean, we just said that we're created by God to work. We're created by God to, to, to be busy. I mean, and again, I want to challenge you. Don't think of that as just your vocation. What is it that you do? Are, are you a volunteer somewhere? Are you serving your neighbors? Are you loving family? Are you a stay-at-home parent? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you think being a stay-at-home parent isn't labor, I would like to put you in their shoes for 10 minutes because it is a labor of love. Amen? Stay-at-home parents, come on. There you go. We are called by God to labor. We are called by God to have integrity when we work. How do you work? Do you work well? Do you honor your boss? Are you honest? Do you steal? Do you sneak a little from the top for you? Do you labor with integrity? Because God wants us, especially as believers, when we work, to work well. The world should be able to tell a Christian worker apart from anybody else because they say well that guy's trustworthy that guy works hard that guy doesn't clock out 15 minutes early every single day that guy really pours into his work because he recognizes he's glorifying God by the way that he works here which is that's the truth we were put here the chief end of man is to glorify God and we glorify God by using the things he's giving us to work for him to tend the earth maybe you're a boss Are you good to your employees? Do you treat them fairly? Do you give them an honest wage? Because God wants us to be good in the way that we work. Let me ask you this question. Do you give your family as much time as you do your work? Because there is a moment when God calls us to work, but there is a moment when our work can become a sin when we get it out of priority. Does your family know you as well as your boss does? Does your family see you as much as your work sees you? Because God does not delight in a family torn apart by vocation. He didn't put Adam and Eve in the garden so that Adam would never see Eve. He put them together so that they could be together, so that they could help one another in their labor, so that they could rest together. You know what honors God when you take your vacation days? God created the earth, then he rested. Let me, let me, God rested. And until you get a hefty promotion, you should need to rest too. It is proper, it is biblical, it is healthy for you spiritually to rest. Do you have a day of rest? Do you take care of your business at home? Because God desires that for us. You know, there's some of us that really love to rest. And and I think we go the extreme with, well, God told me to rest, so I'm going to rest seven days a week. I mean, it's very convicting as I preach this sermon because my grass looks like a forest at home. I need to get to work. God's called me to work, but God's called me to rest, but God has not called me to be lazy he has not called us to lazy. And if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians right now. Because what's going on in the church of Corinth, and the church of Thessalonica, is you've got Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They're, they're preaching the word. And, and Paul makes this statement in 1 Corinthians. He says, I want you to set aside a chunk of money so that when we come and when we preach that those who come and preach don't have to necessarily focus and worry about doing a lot of this stuff, but they can do what God has called them to He calls it the work of the Lord, and we'll get into that in a minute. And he says, and so when Christians come, I want you to provide for one another, take care of one another, be there for one another. And so what happens in Thessalonica, just like any other aid program that's happened in the history of the world, there's people that find a way to manipulate it. And you have a group of Christians who who Paul refers to as idle, lazy sinners. And so what happens is is they come to Thessalonica in the name of the Lord, and instead of working, they simply rely on everybody else to take care of them. And and I want you to hear me. It's not because they're on hardships, it's because they won't work. And Paul says these words to them in in 2 Thessalonians 3, uh, verse 6. See, when Paul, Silas, and Timothy set this program up, they set it up to be something that took care of people in times of need. They set it to be something that when a Christian brother or sister come on hardships, that they could come alongside and help them, and that the work of the Lord wouldn't be stifled because of finances. But again, now what we have in Thessalonica is a group of people who are taking advantage of the system, and they're being lazy. How's this for a Labor Day sermon, huh? 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 says this, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching that you receive from us. From you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help. That's the, the program I was telling you about. They had the right to that, to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Notice Paul doesn't say if a man can't work he shall not eat. I I want to point that out because there's a very dangerous line that that often we as judgmental Christians will walk. Sometimes there's people who need help. And Paul says, if a man will not work, when he says that, that's a willful disobedience. That is, I will not work. Mom, I will not change the cat box. Oh, the cat box. That's labor. That's willful. I will not work versus I can't work. And there's going to be moments where we have brothers and sisters who can't and we do need to come alongside them. Anyway, keep reading. If a man will not work, he will not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire... Of doing what is right. As believers in God, we're to be committed to the work. We're to work as if we're working for God Himself, because the reality of it is, guys, we are working for God. We are his ambassadors. You remember that? We we bring the message of the gospel, and so the way that we work, the, the way that we, we manage our time, the way that we manage our resources is a reflection on God in our lives. And so we're called. To work we're not called to simply sit back and let people do for us now hear me there is going to be moments in your life where you're going to hit hardships and that's when we as brothers and sisters in christ need to 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 do the great commission and we need to, to be the great commandment love god love others and we need to come alongside of our brothers and sisters when they're wounded when they're hurt when they need help when they need assistance we're called to come alongside but we're also called to come alongside the brother and sister who will not work. And we're called to say to them, what's going on? Because you, God has gifted you and you are sitting idly by. God does not want you to be lazy. God has given you gifts and talents so that you can use them for his glory. And Did you know we as a church are supposed to keep each other accountable in that way? That if you have a brother or sister in Christ who's sing against God by being lazy, I know this sounds really... We're not called to be busybodies, as he just said, but we are called to call them out. Paul says, here, stay away from them, because they're just going to cause trouble to you. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Remember, we're called to love one another, even when our breath stinks. We're called to be there for one another. And if we have a brother or sister or somebody in our life who needs to be encouraged to, hey, I don't mind helping you, but this is done because you're sinning against God. God gave you hands. He gave you feet. He gave you a back to get up and to work this earth. We are the caretakers of this earth. It is right for us to work, whether that's stay-at-home mom, whether that's a a landscaper, whether that's an accountant, I don't care what it is. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. God has put you on this earth to toil, to labor. Happy Labor Day. (laughs) Second thing I really want to point out is, if you want to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, There's a second type of work that we as a church oftentimes will miss. The first type of work is this physical labor, this earthly work. We are called to be good employees. We're called to be good stewards. We're called to be good bosses. But more importantly, we have a higher calling. In 1 Corinthians, we see this. uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, let's see here, 1555 through 58. And it says these words, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, for he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you, and always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So in order to really read this and understand what he's trying to say to us, we have to ask ourselves one question. What is the work of the Lord? Well, we get our answer in John 6, 29, when Jesus is asked the question from his disciples, they say to him, okay, God, what do we got to do? What's the stuff you want us to be doing? And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me and be about the work of the Lord. I love a friend of mine just shared this with me. Second Timothy 4, 5 says that we are to do the work of, of an evangelist did you know that every single one of us is called to be an evangelist that every single one of us is called to share our faith we're called to the work of the lord we're called to talk about jesus i mean think about this god sent his son jesus to die for the forgiveness of your sins and all he's asking us to do is to talk about it to share that with people we have been set free our chains are gone And if you're not smiling and happy about something right now, you're doing it wrong. Because this is good news. We should want to share this with people. You have been set free from the bondage of sin because God loved you so much that he was willing to send his only son to earth to die for you. He was resurrected from the dead and ascended to the Father, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us to empower us and to enable us to be able to do his work. The work of the Lord. That's good news this morning. That's what the work of the Lord is. And and as, as a church, we're to be engaged with one another in the work of the Lord. Let me ask you this question, church. Do you realize that the work of the Lord is, it can be something as simple as loving your neighbors? That the work of the Lord can be honoring your family and honoring your vows that you made to your wife or to your husband? The work of the Lord is being engaged in your church? If you're sitting here this morning at Christ Church at Grove Farm, whether it's your first week or your 50,000th week, I don't even know if we've had that many, you belong. You're a part of the body of Christ. And, And when you just show up on a Sunday, you're missing out on the blessing that God has for you. We're making a small group initiative right now, and every single one of you that hears my voice should be in a small group. I say it over and over again. If you're using this time as your time to grow spiritually, you're going to be shallow. You're not going to get the fullness of what God wants to teach you. This next sermon series that we're going into is called What on Earth Am I Here For? Well, we're on earth to glorify God, to be about the work of the Lord. And in our Sunday sermons, we're going to be talking about what on earth we're here for. And then in our small groups throughout the week that all of you are going to be in, you're going to hash apart the sermons. You're going to dive deeper. I've had a lot of you come to me and say, Pastor Jamie, I want to go deeper in the Word. Well, get your butt in a small group because we're going to go deeper in the Word. You asked for it, you got it. So every single one of you should march across this opening immediately after the service. Go see Pastor Bob and say, I want to sign up for for a small group, whether you're going to host a small group, whether you're going to be in a small group, or whether you're going to lead a small group. Because we're to be about the work of the Lord. And if you want to be about the work of the Lord and you claim to be a part of this body, then you need to be involved in this body. I need people in my life to help sharpen me. So do you. God did not create us alone. He said it was not good for Adam to be alone in the garden. Jesus didn't pick one man and say, follow me. He picked a dozen guys and said, follow me. Jesus was about small groups. Christ's church is about small groups. So get on board. Are you involved in your church? Are you involved in Christ's church, do you know we're starving for volunteers? Like we have ministries on the border of collapsing and not being able to happen because we can't find people to serve. We have ushers to stand at the back of the door just as you come in, and, and their job is to be the smiling face of Jesus on a Sunday morning and, and hand you a bulletin and say, we're glad you're here. We can't find people to do it. Why? We, we don't have a drummer. God has gifted somebody out there with musical talents. If God has gifted you with musical talents, He didn't do so so you could sit on them. He didn't give you the voice of a bird so that you could be quiet. He didn't give you the ability to paint so that you could sit in a cubicle just with a pencil and write notes. God gave us gifts and talents and abilities to use them to glorify him, to bring people to the kingdom, to be about the work of the kingdom. We've got student ministries. We've got children's ministries. They need people to plug in, folks. And and you're the body of believers. And if you're not engaged, you're missing out on the goodness that God has for you. And you're not being about the work of the Lord. I know that kind of comes across blunt, but Christ Church, we need you to help us help you. (laughs) You need to be engaged in Christ's church and God's church because it's our church. It's our family. And I want to say this. If God's put something on your heart and you want to volunteer and get involved in the church, you come talk to me and I'll put you in the right direction where to go. Because across the board, whether it's counting money or, or landscaping rocks, we need help. And God wants us to be about the business of the kingdom by volunteering by serving we've got a fantastic ministry on the north side of pittsburgh they're changing lives down there when's have you been engaged in that do you know what's going on down at urban impact do you know what's happening in our children's ministry there's awesome stuff going on and god's inviting you to be a part of that he's commanding you to put your hands to the plow spiritually and to engage in the work of the lord Are you leading your home? Are you praying with your spouse? Are you doing devotions? That's the work of the Lord. Loving God and loving others is the work of the Lord. I know it's tiring and and, and it can be hard and we have difficult weeks. But when we're serving in that way, when we're loving God by loving others, we become closer to being what God originally intended us to be. And there's going to be spiritual growth that will happen in you, that will happen in this church, that will happen in this city. Can you imagine if all the churches across Pittsburgh got a hold of this whole concept that we're to, we're to serve, we're not to labor in vain because we have victory in Jesus, that we know that we're supposed to go and love each other? Can you imagine what this city would look like? It'd be awesome. And I want to be a part of that. And I want you to be a part of that. Not because it's going to make God love us anymore. Not because we're super special. But for this reason and this reason alone. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God because he gave us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We do these things because we get to, not because we have to. God said, I want you to go, I want you to love others. We get to serve Almighty God and we get to introduce people to Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to reaching our world for Christ. That's exciting. And I want you to get excited about that. We need to be excited about that. And and so if you're not engaged, church, you need this Labor Day. You (laughs) Labor Day is going to become like our our volunteer day. You need to get involved. And you need to do so in a healthy way. We're not asking you to volunteer for 90,000 different ministries. We're not asking you to go downtown and and, and to live on the streets for 37 days in a month and, and do whatever. But we are calling you to pick up a shovel and help start digging. We're calling you because God's calling us to team up with us. You can get to places in ministry that pastors can never get. You have greater potential to be an evangelist than any of us knuckleheads that studied to do this because people want to hear from people that they rub shoulders with. People want to see the change that God made in somebody's life. Not because they're paid to do it, not that I do that for that reason, but but you're out in the field, you're doing it. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? It's it's tiring work. It's hard work. Our natural sinful condition causes work to be painful. You know when you wake up on a Monday and you go, I don't want to go to work. Do you know what that is? That's Satan. That's the enemy. When you say to yourself, "Well, I don't know enough about the gospel to share Jesus." You know Jesus, don't you? That's all you need. When we start to doubt ourselves, that's the enemy. You are equipped because you have the Holy Spirit. So go out, work hard at what you do and serve hard where you serve. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. You've called each and every one of us, God, to stand firm and to not give up because we don't labor in vain. We, we labor because we have a resurrected Savior and God, that is so excited. So thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing. You don't even need us, God, but you chose to use us. You chose to bring glory to yourself through us simple people. And so we pray for the lost. We pray for the the wounded and the hurt. We pray that you would help us as a church not to be busybodies, but you would help us to be busy about the work of the Lord. We pray that you would convict each one of us that if we're not serving in some capacity in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our streets, we pray that you would convict our hearts, God. Allow us not even to be able to sleep until we serve you. Give us passion. Give us courage. And give us that remembrance that we don't have to give in or give up because we're already won, Lord. We have victory through your death and resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.